Welcome to Cadence in the Clouds podcast, where we share inspiration and best practices while on your purpose journey with host Karen St. Hilaire. I have a wonderful guest today. She's part of the squad. She's amazing. She loves film. She loves humanitarian work. And you're going to fall in love with her by the end of this podcast. I want to introduce you to the most fabulous, Dr. Nadine Barnett Cosby. Hello, Dr. Cosby. Hello, Karen. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. Thank you for agreeing to come on here. I know that you are really busy and you just, <laughs> you're just willing to give us 60 minutes and I am so excited about it. So thank you so much for saying yes. So Dr. Nadine Barnett Cosby, let the public know. Who are you? Who is Nadine? Wow. Um, If I I have to, you know, find the words or the titles, if you will, to define myself, um, you know, in no particular order. Well, there is an order. The, the The first one counts the most in my book. But after that, no particular order. I would say a mother, right? And I say that counts the most because I feel like my entire being um, changed after I had kids, and everything I do becomes about them in some way. Um, so, you know, mother, I'm a wife, I'm a professor of, you know, media and mass communication, I'm a writer, a filmmaker, a director, producer, um, I'm a social activist, I'm a humanitarian, and then a sister and friend and all these other titles. Being this wonderful and well-rounded individual, tell us what you like to do. Um, what do you love to do? What brings you joy and what basically stirs the passion that's within? Wow. Okay. Um, what brings me joy? Well, one thing that brings me a lot of joy that I really love to do is storytelling. And, you know, that that looks a lot different depending on what I'm feeling and the mood I'm in, you know. So I've been able to incorporate that into my work life and my personal life or my day job and my side hustle, however you want to refer to it, right? Mm -hmm. So um, just as a writer, I'm a storyteller, and I have to say sometimes that just means writing the story for myself, getting it out of my head and on paper, and then I'll decide what to do with it later. So, you know, being a storyteller, it's not always a public thing. But then, of course, my day job, I'm a professor. So, you know, I'm going into the classroom every day, and what I'm doing is telling stories with the hope that in the end I've educated them in some way. I've introduced them to something new. Um you know, and then, of course, you know, I tell stories through film. Um, so, you know, whatever I have in me, whatever characters or part of me, really, because I feel like all of my characters have a little bit of me in them. So whatever part of me it is that has to come out <laughs> in that particular moment, that's the, the, the film that I'm going to write or that's the story that I'm going to tell. So that gives me a lot of joy. Um, you know, and then I can I can share with you the, the personal things that kind of – you know, give me joy because they help me rejuvenate my spirit. They help me recalibrate and, and kind of calm down from the crazy ride that I tend to put myself on constantly. Um, you know, I love to work out. I love exercise. Um, kind of the more rigid, the better, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I really got back into exercising, you know, and I'll say back into it because Back in the day, in my early college years, I ran track and, you know, did all of that 
but life happens and you get away from that. So when I really got back into it, I want to say it was about 2010, 2011, I I went back to school for my second master's. I was in the city, and I was like, all right, I need to really get myself together. And I just dove face first into exercising, joined the gym, and, you know, I started at like five days a week. And I really got my entire life doing that. And I thought I was going to hate it, to be honest. But there is a high that comes from exercising. It's it's spiritual. It's physical. It's emotional. It's mental. And I became addicted to that. So that really feeds my soul when I take that moment. Usually I try to do one hour a day. And it's that one hour where I'm not thinking about what comes next or what happened yesterday. It's that one hour that I'm in the moment and just working on myself. Um, so I absolutely love that. Um, I love to travel, you know, and I'm sure we'll we'll be talking about travel because it also <laughs> works along with my, you know, humanitarian efforts and what has led me into kind of social activism. Um, you know what? And then I love to go out to eat and I love to bake at home. Those things bring me a lot of joy as well. <laughs> so, okay, the exercise part, right? I'm going to just touch on it just for a second. I totally hear you. I think when we get to a certain point in life, we're like, wait a minute. Uh, I can't run up these subway steps the way I used to. <laughs> I get halfway up and I'm like, just <laughs> push that one hour in and it gives you life. But that one hour that you take for yourself, that one hour that you just box out just for everything, Dr. Nadine Burnett, that one hour is, um, you just tell me a little bit about what you get from that hour, I know we're going off topic for just a second, but it's part of being purposeful because you're intentional about that one hour that you're giving to yourself. But when you do that workout and you block out the world, family, work, and everything else, what happens to you in that hour? No, that's a great question. I'm happy to kind of talk about this topic a little bit more because I think regardless of whatever else we have going on, this topic is so important because it really comes down to our health and our well-being, and it's not just physical, right? It's mental health and and everything else that comes along with it. So for me, that hour is um, kind of self-reflection, self-improvement, you know, on the very basic physical level. I know I'm getting my heart rate going. We need to do that on a daily basis. We need to find some way to elevate our heart rates every day, right? So I'm doing that. I'm getting a sweat. I'm releasing tons of toxins from my body um, just by burning a sweat and letting that come out of my pores, right? And then on kind of the emotional and spiritual level, I'm so focused during that one hour on the activities that I'm engaging in, right? Whether it's like, you know, soul cycle or whether it's a step class, whatever that one hour looks like, I am, you know, I have laser sharp focus on that and nothing else. So it also is a release for me. It's an hour where I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to cook for dinner. I'm not thinking about, you know, which kid I gave a hard time to this morning before (laughs) school and beat myself up about that. I think we do that enough. So it really is a one hour that I'm completely focused on how am I bettering myself. What I'm thinking about during that time is breathing, you know, Breathing purposefully. We breathe all day long, right? Every day, but we don't always pay attention to the rhythm of our breathing. We don't do it. We do it, you know, as instinct, not with a purpose. 
So in that one hour, it's the only time I pay attention to my breathing. And then you get into these different mindsets that come with um, a life, you know, in which you start to focus on exercising. So you are equating breathing with other things. You are thinking about chakra and all of these other places that you can go outside of your already busy life. And it just it just helps me. I notice that on the days that I don't take that one hour, you know, I can't sleep well at night or, you know, I'm not feeling well. My appetite is weird. You know, so many things go along with that exercise time. Wow. See, that was important. We had to have that segue. <laughs> I'm excited about that. <laughs> use that segue. So now I'm going to, you know, go left a little. Um, you talked about the humanitarian work, and that's where I want to go into. So when did you begin the purposeful work? And before you say that, I want you to start it off with when did the humanitarian activism part of you become purpose? question. Yeah. Mm. Tell the mm-hmm. people. <laughs> it's okay. one thing to know the story, but it's another thing to hear your friends tell the story. I get excited. <laughs> right. ready for you to hear tell the story. So. <laughs> I love your excitement about it. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because now you're making me think about when it became deliberate. And it's so funny because when I think about it, I feel like that desire and that urge was always in me. So I think to some extent I was being at the very, you know, basic level of social activist um, mm-hmm. in very small ways. Um, and it's it, it, for me, it's the way I engaged with people who I already was very familiar with, you know, people who were close to me, um, just kind of hearing them and maybe identifying some needs in them and suggesting things. A lot of my friends will tell you I'm notorious for, you know, you might want to consider taking this class, you know, because I'm big on education. I think there's a class for just about anything we could need in life. So I'm, I'm big on I agree. You might want to, I agree. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Some people are so resistant to education. I'm like, you will not lose anything. Yeah, you'll pay some money, but you won't lose anything. Even if you don't get out of it what you expect, you'll get something out of it that surprises Mm -hmm. you and that benefits Mm -hmm. you. So, you know, I've always been big on that with my friends or, you know what? Okay, you're miserable in your career. From what you're saying, I'm hearing that you might enjoy doing this. Maybe you should look into that. Or you need to take a yoga class. That's why you're having this trouble with your hip or whatever it is. So, you know, that started on a very basic level. I've always just had a passion for trying to help people in some way, you know, and you mentioned, which I appreciate, um, that, you know, I'm also a great confidant. You know I'm Fort Knox. Like, if you tell me it's not going anywhere, <laughs> you know, I'm taking a lot B613, of skeletons people. Thank B613. you. Thank you. Right. It is, it's going to die right here, okay? So... I enjoy being able to be the ear that someone needs because we all need that at any particular time. And I know what it feels like to want to have a conversation or want to just get something off your chest, want to tell your story and feel like, but I don't want to put that out there because I'm going to be judged or this person's going to share it or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, again, on a very basic level, that's kind of, that was my initial humanitarian effort. When I really got into it was, almost not by my own choice, and I feel like I was pushed out of my comfort zone and I allowed it to happen, and it was in um, 
2000, I want to say 2015 or 16. I think it was in 15 when the conversation happened where I was at work and I, I just did a talk at an event and I can't remember what the event was, but, uh, after the talk, you know, I was just kind of mingling around and there was food and, uh, a student, a young sister walked up to me and, you know, asked me if I would be interested in, in moderating or chaperoning the mission trip that she was leading for the college. What made her ask me, what compelled her to ask me. So I, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask her that, like, why'd you ask me? And, you know, she said that she had attended my talk, but she had attended other um, events or activities where I had spoken and she felt a connection to me or she was impressed with me. So I appreciated that. And, you know, she said, she called honey. Me. <laughs> I'll, listen, I'll accept that. I'll receive that. So, you know, I really appreciated that, but I'll tell you, to be honest, where I was at that point in life, when I started to ask her questions about the trip, there were so many reasons that I should have said no, you know, and that oh, wow. I really felt compelled to say no. Um, you know, it was taking it was taking place during our winter break, which was my break during work, you know, so I was kind of like, okay, this is when I'm supposed to be on break and now you're asking me to work and supervise a group of students. And then we were leaving for the trip on my birthday, so I was like, okay, now I got to get up in the morning, travel on my birthday, you're asking me to leave my family for a week. Um you know, and at the time, I had done that only in in rare occasions. And when I say the rare occasions, I feel like the only time I'd left them for a full-on week was whenever I had to do an on-campus residency during my doctoral program because my program was not in the same state um, that I reside in. So other than that, I was like, no, this is – you're asking too much. And, I mean, you know – it sounds, it's going to sound cliche to some people who don't engage with their spirit in a certain way, but I can honestly just say this, the spirit told me to do it. The spirit told me to go and I said yes. And I was like, I'll work out the rest later, you know? Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> and I went, you know, I packed my bag. I told my family this is going to happen. Um, you know, I'm giving up some of my break and I packed my bags and on the morning of January 2nd, I went to the airport and got on a flight with, I think, 13 students, and we went to New Orleans. And we were visiting um, New Orleans during the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And our focus was, um, you know, poverty um, and looking at systemic poverty, but also we were looking at, um, you know, equity. And when I got there, what I saw, and to know that I'm seeing something 10 years later that looks like this happened like a week ago really moved me. And, um, you know, that, that trip in and of itself changed me permanently. And then I would add to that, there was a woman that we met while on that trip, and she said something that I've never forgotten because I believe this to be so true, but we don't think about it. She said the problem with volunteers or the problem with even people who are there to help you is that they often come with a mindset of already knowing what you need. So they're telling you this is what you need and this is what I'm going to do for you as opposed to coming with a mindset of how can I serve you? And that blew me away. 
I had to just be still in that moment because I was like, mm. yeah, that's, we're talking about, now we're talking about Jesus Christ, right? The, mm-hmm. the idea of, I'm here to serve. Right, mm-hmm. right. Not, here's what you absolutely need, and I'm going to give you this because I've determined this is what you need. No, but how can I serve you? Tell me what you need, and let me try to help you in that way. And that just changed me. After that, I was like, okay, so I need to hear people's stories. I need to give people an opportunity to tell what their needs are, and then from that also determine how I could possibly serve them in some way. Oh, my gosh. That is a total paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a total paradigm Absolutely. shift. Because, I, I mean, we are also, okay, listeners, we are both serving the same sorority. We're most fabulous Africa to Africa Incorporated. So we're service-minded. And yes. we, we, everything that we've been doing for years is all around service, but it's another thing when someone is telling you it's more than a talk. It should be a walk, but don't come to me telling me what you're going to give me and think that's service. Right. You know, that, that's kind of oppressive when you think about it, right? That's like, you need water, here's water, but I don't need water. I can give right. what I need. How about you ask me? So engage me in the conversation. And that's the other part. We we tend not to engage individuals because we think we know everything. But though we may know what they need, how they need it is, that's is right. a different story. And asking the question will actually yield a better result in the work that we're trying to do. Okay, so then, so that. Trip to New Orleans started you on this purpose walk, and then you took a trip to Africa. <laughs> and I say that like that because, you know, that's the conversation that all of us had. Oh, she went to Africa, and she came that changed. But change in such a great way. But now that you're telling me about New Orleans, I'm like, no, the change happened before that. So now let's build on the servitude poor that this lady gave to you, helping you to understand and creating a paradigm shift in your heart and in your mindset about the work that is to be done, and then you started building on it. That's right. That that's Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It, it, it really did create that paradigm shift. So then I was wide open to kind of just listening to the spirit, right, waiting for some direction. What else am I supposed to do with this now? Certainly I want to come home from New Orleans and be able to activate some of what I've learned right at home in New York. But at the same time, what else could I be doing to serve? And, you know, the the story of how I ended up going to the motherland for the first time is very similar to the New Orleans trip because I had a student reach out to me um and basically said, so I'm leading the trip to Zambia, and you were highly recommended to moderate that trip. And, and, you know, same deal. I'm asking questions about the trip. And I'm like, okay, so now we're talking about two weeks instead of one week. So I've got to up the ante now. This is really a chance to put my money where my mouth is. But I was also, again, nervous about leaving my family for two weeks, right? Um, You know, I was also, you know, I'm in a doctoral program at the time, and I'm like, wow, I have a lot of work to do. Can I really sacrifice two weeks of time? So, again, also quickly looking inward, it's all about me, right? I'm busy. I have this going on. But then I'm saying I want to serve, right? So how do you reconcile that? Do you really want to serve if the first thing that comes to mind is how this inconveniences you? Mm. So once again, 
I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I feel like I should. This this is being presented to me for a reason. And then that trip, of course, was so different than the New Orleans trip for so many various reasons. Um, you know, so you're not only dealing with populations that are affected um, from systemic, you know, poverty or or from you know, a storm, right, from a natural disaster like mm-hmm. Katrina. But then you're dealing with and you're you're engaging with populations that are dealing with all of these other issues that we have the privilege of not necessarily being um not necessarily thinking about those issues all the time. Right. We it exposes your own privilege, which I think is very important for us too, because we're part of you know, you know like you and I, we're part of a marginalized community, right? But mm-hmm. you remove yourself from that environment, and while absolutely we have work to do at home, it's also a great lesson and reminder that you might be marginalized in these ways, but look at how privileged you are compared to what these people are telling you is their experience, you know, whether it's with education, access to education, whether it's with you know, unemployment, um, housing, health care, just all of these areas where it's like, okay, look at what you do have and let's see how you can maybe perceive changing the lives of others who are less fortunate. But again, all in that spirit of what are your needs and how can I serve that? So I just want to dig my heels right here. It seems as though the population that you serve the, consistently, the, the populations you serve consistently are the students because you are their teacher, you are their professor, you are their story, you teach them storytelling, you tell them stories, and they are the ones, it's like one or two just unearth and come in and present you with your future. Wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is a great way to put it. I don't know if I yeah. even perceived it that way myself, so here you say it, I'm like, wow. That's true. Yeah. And the population that you're serving, they're like, okay, you know what? Because when we think about it, we were all in college at one point, well, most of us were. And who's in trade school and everything else, I applaud you. But someone taught you something else. Every last one of us was a student at some point. And your students, the teacher has the power, because that's what you do have, to pour into and create these phenomenal beings. So one observed you, the second one, and then they told someone, you know, kids like to tell, but she went and told her business. <laughs> and the other one said, okay, she's in New Orleans, now she's in good Africa. <laughs> and we want her to go <laughs> spirit-led, because when we think about it, it's all spirit-led, and it's purposeful, because once you get on your purpose journey, the universe meets you. It meets you, it meets you, it meets you. And you had to graduate from, okay, I'm at the school. Now I'm going to New Orleans and I'm going to meet individuals who are going to basically open my eyes and basically remove a film. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to come back. And when I come back, I'm like, wow, what can I do next? Because you are a doer, right? You're not just like, we yeah, have the information. You're like, okay, how are we going to use this information and change and create change or create impact? Then here comes another student like, we're going to Africa, and we're going for two weeks, so tell your husband and your kids, <laughs> you got to go. <laughs> and then and the kids have already prayed, so spirit is like, baby, you're going for two weeks now. They're gonna be, everybody's going to be fine, and you're right. off, and create another shift. So now we are back to the PhD process, dissertation process, and the activist 
humanitarian Dr. Nadine Barnett Cosby is in full swing. Tell us about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it it it's interesting how I mean, and you said it right when you start um, living or acting or functioning in your purpose, the universe will meet you. And that's exactly what I've experienced. I feel like, you know, there's a moment where the universe is like, what took you so long? Like, I was ready for you. I knew you were meant to do this, mm. but you had to arrive at this yourself. Like, welcome. We've been waiting for you. And I feel mm. like that's what happened. You know, um, it all kind of came together in such a crazy way. And you're right. Once I made that time and took that two-week trip, it was also a game changer because I came back with the understanding that I need to learn how to let go in terms of the control I have over my family, right? Like, my concerns were, but, you know, my youngest son is going to dress crazy if I'm not here, you know, to tell him don't wear that to school. (laughs) You know, all of these, like, ridiculous things or what are they going to eat, you know, if I'm not here. And I came back and I'm like, Okay, everybody's in one piece. Everyone's chilling. Even when I would call, I would call very cautiously, waiting to, like, hear some disaster. And everybody's good. You know, they're kind of like, yeah, maybe we don't need you in that way. You know, we need you, but we don't need you the way we you think we need you. Um, so it was a good lesson for me, which then allowed me to start thinking more purposefully in terms of what do I want my impact to be? It changed me as a professor. So when you mentioned kind of the population that I serve um, is the students, I totally co-signed that because I feel like I went into teaching on the college level with the mindset that, you know, I am going to give these students something, and it's going to be this content, right? It's going to be whatever the curriculum is I'm teaching. They need to learn the content that's within this textbook and so on, right? So I'm going to give each of them a fish. And going on these trips and just engaging not only with these different populations, but also engaging with students on a different level, right? We're traveling together. We're living together. We're all out of our comfort zones. We're getting sick together, whatever the issues are on some of these trips, right? It's seeing students in a completely different light. And I was able to return from that saying, no, I'm not giving them fish. I'm teaching them how to fish, right? I am giving Mm -hmm. them a purpose beyond you have to take these classes and you have to pass these tests to get your degree after four years. So I approach all of my classes and even my teaching with a spirit of, um, you know, social activism and, and with a spirit of I might be teaching you media, I might be teaching you writing today, or I might be teaching you how to use this technology today, but let's look at the bigger picture and let's look at the bigger purpose. And how can you take mm-hmm. some of these little tools that I'm giving you and mm-hmm. use it not only to change your life, but to change other lives as well? And that's become my approach to teaching because of that. So already those two things are kind of melding together. And it's also changed me as a parent, you know, for the same reason. I feel like I approach parenting differently since mm-hmm. having these experiences. And, wow. you know, in some cases it's been 
you know, miraculous. Other cases, you know, it's like, okay, that didn't work, but I'll try something else, you know. And sometimes, yeah, it's going to get on my family's nerves because who are you? And you're kind of changing up who we are based on these experiences you're having. But in the end, I think we all improve from it and we all learn from it. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's bringing all of it, the professional, the personal together. And, of course, now that I've completed my doctoral program, I'm also in a place of, of getting to the writing and the storytelling again. And my next project is going to involve or does involve really all three because it's about going back, you know, returning to some various populations that I've been engaged with and not only giving them tools to tell their stories, but then in turn using those stories to tell the public, here's what you can do to mm-hmm. to help change these lives. Oh, wow. So now you're going to take the population that, that's a need and have them teach those of us who have resources, teach us how to come in. Absolutely. Empathy. You're teaching people empathy, humanitarianism, teaching us how to tell stories. This is what I love about the squad, people. You got to have everyone in your circle has to be impactful in some way. No one is, you need a lackey too, but everyone has to be impactful. And I love it because you're being so impactful. And then you're, you're massaging the brains of, you know, that college student. And, you know, unfortunately, they don't have professors that will do that all across the board. And I'm not mocking anyone, but sometimes you have to find that one class that, you know, that stirs spirit, right? And that's why I was like, you know, spirit said do this. And because you are spiritual and you are um, empathic, so one spirit will lead to the other. They see it's like a light. So you're like that illuminating lighthouse in the school. And the students are like, if you want this done, if you want it done this way, we're going to go to this professor. Now, you give. I say all this to say that you're giving. You illuminate. Illuminations require a lot of energy. You go mm-hmm. into these students, you travel with these students, um, and we're not even going to talk about your home life, but with your friends and myself included, you listen and you vault all this information, and you're there to be caring, to be loving, and even to check some of us at some times when we need to be checked. How do you take care of yourself? What do you do outside of helping everyone else? What do you do to take care of yourself? And not just the exercising, but, you know, we'll talk about meditation and everything else that you do to make sure that your mind is right and that your spirit stays illuminated and and on point and in tune. Wow. Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's a good question because that balance is important. And sometimes we're we're kind of out of balance, out of sync, and we're not um, practicing the self-care that we know we're supposed to. Um, on a basic level, and I'm kind of chuckling because I had this uh, text conversation recently with two other friends um, about, you know, kind of small acts of self-care. And I forget what it was. I think one friend said, you know, she sent me uh, something that was written about self-care being, you know, okay if it happens in small acts as well. So she was like, you know, my self-care for tonight is going to be, you know, going to bed by 1130 after I get off this conference call. And I texted her. I said, you know, my self-care for this entire day, like for the last 24 hours, is going to be if I can get, you know, 20 ounces of lemon water into my body before I go to bed tonight. Like if I can just drink, drink water tonight, I will say that I have to care myself. You know, so sometimes 
it happens on that very basic level. And then, you know, other times it's, you know, finding some type of outlet, whether, you know, I do want to go out and, and, and party and have fun. Um, that might be the outlet for myself in that moment. That's more rare because I am, I am an, maybe an extroverted introvert. That's how I'll describe myself. So I do prefer mm-hmm. to be home. Like catch me on a Friday night and you couldn't pay me any amount of money to get out of my pajamas and get out of my bed, you know? So, um, that's, you know, that sometimes is my self-care, too. Like, what's on my DVR? I haven't watched TV in two weeks. Let me hit up these shows, you know? That's just relaxation for me. What I've been doing a lot lately is listening to my playlist. In particular, I have one playlist that I titled In the Spirit, and I find that I listen to that a lot more. I listen to it while driving, but also sometimes I just need my earbuds as I'm laying in the dark in my bedroom. My family might be milling around the house, but I just need that playlist because it's almost like I would equate it to drowning out the noise. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like there's just, um, you know, like an evil spirit or a dangerous noise that I keep hearing. Um, And it's not surprising because one thing that someone said to me, and I never forgot this as well, is that when you are, um, when you are living and acting in God's purpose, right? When you engage in a project that is 100% kind of in God's purpose, what's meant for you to do, but also what God, um, has called you to do. The enemy gets really angry, and the enemy starts attacking you in different ways, whether it's you come down mm-hmm. with the flu, you know, or whether it's this friend is tripping, or your spouse is tripping, or your kids are tripping, whatever it is. So sometimes I use music as a method to really drown out that noise. So let me stop thinking crazy. Let me stop reading more than I should into what this friend said to me. Let me stop dwelling on how I feel I messed up yesterday. And let me just listen to this music that's kind of feeding my soul. Because regardless of the songs and the artists that you listen to, when you listen to spiritual music, the message is pretty much always the same. It's like, look look what's been done for us. And there's so much more that's going to be done for us if you just keep that faith. So that really feeds me sometimes. I just need that to to get beyond whatever I'm dealing with in that moment. So a lot of things like that. I definitely like um, more individual and small group activities when it comes to my mm-hmm. friends. I am not the person that wants to be at the big event where everyone is to be seen. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, invite me to dinner and I'm there. You know, those types of things. So that's kind mm-hmm. of what feeds me and what helps me rejuvenate um, outside of the things I'm doing. Okay, Jackson, you know I'm all about a playlist. You know I am all <laughs> about a playlist. I got a oh, playlist yes. from a man. I got playlists for when I'm mad, and I don't even want y'all to know what's on there. I have playlists for when the storm is coming, and I know it's coming, and I know I can't avoid it, but it's coming, so I need preparation. And I got playlists for the storm. And then I do have that playlist that I put the incense down, light the Mm -hmm. candles, and I just lay there and listen to it because I'm like, and I ask God to meet me there. Just meet me there because so much noise, 
so much That's right. noise. It's so noisy outside. And it's that spiritual cavity, right, where the chasm, where the negative energy is there. Oh, my gosh. You were just, you just preach to the people now. And they have to understand <laughs> that you need to create a playlist. So we will share playlists. I want to share with you. Okay, so now we've heard all these great works that you do and learned about who you are and learned about your methodologies. Where can we find your work? Um, is it social media? Is it a website? Where can we find your work? And where can people get in touch with you? Wow, so that's that's important, right? <laughs> and that is a good question. So um, initially I would say Getting in touch with me is probably easiest through LinkedIn. And, you know, my LinkedIn profile is my full name, Nadine Barnett Cosby. Um, so I think that's the best method. If people want to reach out professionally, whatever the case is. Um, strangely enough, I engage lately. And when I say engage, I mean mostly reading because I'm not great at posting. But I do a lot of research and get a lot of information through LinkedIn more so than any other social media. Um, a while back, and I don't even know how long it's been now, maybe a year, maybe less than that, but I, um, I kind of just lost, I fell out of love with social media. And not that I was this huge social media person to begin with, but I would say Facebook was kind mm-hmm. of my platform of choice. Um, you know, I have Twitter. I use Twitter to read, want to know what's going on, what are people saying, and it's short and sweet so I can get it in small bursts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Facebook, I got to the point where I was just like, what is the meaning of all of this nonsense that I'm reading through, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I stepped away from it. All that, I guess, to say that I'm in the process of returning to social media, but in a different way, um, focusing more on this entire purpose, right? Everything we've been talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to be engaging. I'm working on the website. I'm going to have to be engaging the social media differently now because I have these projects that are coming up that I really want to engage a wider audience because I, I think that for what I'm doing, um, some kind of collective engagement is going to be beneficial mm-hmm. too. Um, there are more people that have more stories to tell, but also that have resources. And I'll definitely be looking for people who have some resources to contribute um, that are out there kind of just waiting to discover what that outlet is, much in the way that I feel I was kind of waiting to discover what my purpose and what my outlet would be to to do my activism or do my humanitarian work. So I'll be engaging with the public on social media in that way to try to find, you know, some more of these stories right here at home in addition to the stories Mm -hmm. that I'm helping people tell abroad. That is so awesome. Again, Dr. Cosby, thank you so much for coming on to Cadence to the Cloud podcast. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. I was so ridiculously excited about this. It is an honor because, you know, I think your podcast is dope. So just to be asked to be a part of it is just an honor and a privilege for me. So I appreciate you, my sister. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. The squad is real. The squad is dope. Do note that every time that you pour into people, they may be the one to turn around and pour into you and put you on your purpose journey. 
Thanks for listening. Leave or send a message and share this podcast with your friends. Follow Karen on Twitter and Instagram at Karen St. Hilaire or visit www.karensthilaire.com. Thank you.